Are you ready? Ready to release internal pain? To find confidence, clarity, and direction for your future? To live a life of meaning, fulfillment, and contribution? To trust your intuition again, but something's been holding you back? You've come to the right place. Welcome. I'm Ian Hawkins, the host and founder of the Grief Code podcast. Together, let's heal your unresolved or unknown grief by unlocking your grief code. As you tune in to each episode, you will receive insight into your own grief, how to eliminate it and what to do next. Before we start, I have one request. If any new insights or awareness land with you during this episode, please send me an email at info at ianhawkinscoaching.com and let me know what you found. I know the power of this work and I love to hear the impact these conversations have. Okay, let's get into it. Last week I was interviewed for a podcast, Did You Know, by Laurie Brooke and she. this is something that she shares with her followers. She works in family law services, so she does a lot of work with people mediating and moving through broken relationships. So this interview was very much looking at grief through that lens. The challenges around the grief from broken relationships, how you move through them. And I gave a whole lot of other thoughts on this from the experience I've had working with people in this exact space. And I thought this would be a perfect thing to share with all of you because it's looking at grief from a different lens and perhaps I've spent a heap of time on lately. It is something, like I said, that I've helped people with before and moving beyond the grief of the breakup of the relationship and whatever other grief was triggered, like with any other form of grief, what other grief sort of bubbles to the surface because of this moment in your life. And then, yeah, some of the ways to deal with it and some of the learnings that you can take through that. I know you're going to enjoy this. I really enjoyed it. Enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Did You Know? And today I am joined by Ian Hawkins. Ian is the founder and host of The Grief Code, dealing with grief firsthand with the passing of his father back in 2005, planted the seed for Ian to discover what personal freedom and legacy truly is. This experience was the start of his journey to heal the unresolved and unknown grief that that was negatively impacting every area of his life. Leaning into his own intuition led him to leave corporate and follow his purpose of creating connection for himself and others. The grief code is a divinely guided process that enables every living person to uncover their unresolved and unknown grief and dramatically change their life and the lives of those they love. Thousands of people have now moved from loss to light following this exact process. Thank you so much, Ian, for joining me today. It's lovely to finally organize a chat with you. You're welcome, Laurie. Thanks for having me. You're very, very welcome. So, Ian, I want to jump straight in. Um, I want to talk to you about grief, loss, and I suppose for us, it's the loss of relationship and what people go through when that relationship ends, that feeling that their whole world is coming crumbling down, especially when they're the person who has been told that the relationship has ended. They haven't actually made that decision for themselves. And then the compounding areas that, you know, that loss of relationship can also bring that loss of family and the loss and fear that they're losing their children and they're losing control of it all. Yeah. That sound today? 
sounds good. The first thought that comes to mind is one of the very first clients I, I helped, which was a friend of mine who was going through a divorce. And even when we're not the one who chooses, part of the conversation is realizing our part in it. And depending on where you're at in, in the relationship um, ending, that can be a really hard place to look. But ultimately, any of the healing that we do from grief is about self and it's about our own identity. And if you look at it from a, the, through the lens of a, specifically a relationship, how often we assign identity to the relationship, us as a couple, us as a family, and we kind of detach from that who we were before. And through no fault of anyone's, a lot of these things seem to happen generation after generation. And this is part of it, right? It's like there's no one to blame through any of this. And I think it's really important for everyone listening and watching this to remember that it's not your fault, but you do have the opportunity to take responsibility for whatever's next. And when I say it's not your fault, so many of these moments of grief, while they show up to us through loss of a loved one, loss of a relationship, they are a continuation or a grief upon grief upon grief of what has happened to us when we were young. So what I mean by that is someone might say something to us when we are one or two or three and our, our tiny young mind creates meaning around that and that meaning plays out in our behavior for the rest of our life and it plays out in our relationships and it plays out in how we get through life and so when things come crashing down suddenly all of this stuff comes rising to the surface it's not just the event of the breakup of a relationship or the loss of the loved one it's everything that's resulted that's that revolves around that if that make if that answers your question yeah but i also think that also plays to some of the conflict that you might find in a relationship those little triggers that you don't actually realize um, where they've come from, but somebody will say something and it can set you off. 100%. And having an understanding that every time something's triggered within us and through, through anything, one, we can have control of our reaction. It's not, you made me feel this way. Well, actually, no, I feel this way because I feel this way because I've got exactly what you described then, different things from my past. And detaching that, it's one of the hardest things you do in relationships, but it's also one of the most freeing. Um, I want to come back full circle to what you, the original question you asked, and I, and I was reminded of that client that I worked with. And it wasn't him that had ended the relationship, but what we unpacked was, okay, you weren't, but what did you contribute to, to that being the finality of the relationship, them making the decision, like what had led up to that and what was your part in that? And what was your partner not getting and all those different things, not because it was going to retrieve the relationship, but it's because, okay, well, moving forward with your life and whatever may come and future relationships, what do you need to address? What needs to be different? What needs to change? And again, it can be really when you're stuck in the stage of grief where you've got anger and you've got frustration or sadness or guilt or whatever else has come from it. It can be hard to look at that. Mm -hmm. And if you're not ready for that just yet, that's okay. Just be kind, with, to your, kind to yourself and be patient with yourself. But that's where you need to come to eventually is to that point of, okay, well, what part did I play and what can I change for 
going forward and what what can I change for making sure that whatever the relationship looks like, particularly if there's children involved, like how can I bring my best self to that to make sure that I'm doing the best thing for everyone involved? Absolutely, because you don't want to repeat the same patterns going forward, do you? hundred percent. Yeah. And, and if we think about as parents, more than anything, we want to be role models for what will be possible for them because as hard as it is for us to accept, they take so much more from what we do than what we say. And you've only got to have a small child repeating out your behavior back to you and just watching that and going, Oh, that does not sound good. And then realizing it's actually just you. <laughs> Sometimes we don't like to admit those things, but no, exactly. We can't right. run from it for too long. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So, in terms of going through that, and I suppose once you have the ability to sit down, because if the relationship has ended, it might take you some time to go, yes, I'm ready to address this now. But once you're ready to address it, what do you think people need to, or where do people start in that process? Yeah, it's a great question. So, when you're ready, there's a couple of things that need to take place. And, and one of them is to go through your own healing journey. And so that can be anywhere from having any type of uh, counsellor or psychologist or if you, if you want to go to that depth depending on where you're at, but it can also just be just from self-acknowledgement. So the, the five key steps are to acknowledge that there's something there. This is, you know, what I said, the awareness of your part to play, acknowledging that there's something there that I need to address talking it out. And if you're not ready to talk to someone externally, you can just take your pen out, write it all down or do a voice memo or whatever it is. Now, some of you might be thinking, yeah, but I don't necessarily want anyone to stumble across my deepest and darkest thoughts around these things. Fine. When you write it, then you burn it and you do a ceremonial release of whatever that is. If you do the voice memo, same thing, ceremonial metaphoric burning of whatever it is, or if you did a document, same sort of thing. And, and just getting it out of your head is just so powerful. So acknowledge, talk, allow it to be. So whatever's sitting there, like if there's anger, allow yourself to feel the anger because it's actually the resistance that keeps us stuck there. So when I say allow yourself to feel anger, that doesn't mean you act that out in a uh, really negative way, but you just go, okay, I'm going to sit here in silence and stillness and allow that feeling of frustration. For me, it shows up in my jaw when I've got anger. So it sits there and I allow it. It's almost like dissolving a, uh, a barocca in water where it's just going to fizz and dissolve. And that's the same process for wherever we feel the certain emotion in our body. Allow it to resolve. Then it will release, which is step four. And then we give ourselves what's the next step. So I've taken myself through this process. What's the next step? And the next step for me is you said, well, what do they do? It's having direction. So what's your new direction? And getting clearer, okay, life has shown me that I don't want life to be like this. So what instead do I want to replace that with? And it usually is just the opposite. It can be that simple. And having a clear idea of what that is, again, pen to paper, writing, writing down the best you know at the time doesn't have to be anything extravagant doesn't have to be a big novel just this is what i want for my life and yeah that'll that'll set you your brain will start searching for answers for the very things that you've written down it's there's a part of the brain reticular activation system that actually its job is to find whatever you ask it to focus on so if i said to anyone 
look at a lorry screen um, to find the color pink, right? Then that that's got the pink. Suddenly, pink is everywhere, and you're not seeing any of the other colors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, and it's the same. Our brain will just will filter out the rest because we take in like billions of bits per second. But you give the brain something to focus on, and it will find the answers. And I think you made a comment just then that I want to come back to, and that is, it doesn't have to be complicated. <laughs> you know, it the I suppose what our new direction is, or the actual um, recouping or recreating what our new life is going to look like, it doesn't have to be complicated. We don't have to make it, um, I suppose, unnecessarily sticky with past relationship issues and new parenting agreements and all of that. Just start from a baseline and figure out where you want to go. 100%. And I think as humans, we tend to get really caught in creating these whole lot of stories and meaning that's just not there and same when we're doing planning because our brain is so creative and naturally curious and we can come up with all sorts of different ways to dig ourselves a bigger hole but yeah i I absolutely agree with that just a really basic agreement or a really basic agreement with yourself i guess writing Mm -hmm. out that direction uh, is is just such a, a powerful form of helping you to move forward yeah. And it's, I think it's also okay. Would you agree that to not have all the answers straight up? Absolutely. Like who has all the answers? Mm. Like everyone's on social media trying to show everyone that they've got their shit together, but oh, I haven't. Like that's why, that's why I have a coach, right? It's why I see a kinesiologist. It's why I talk to different people that help me with different things and just do you where you're at and don't compare yourself to what's going on out there. Cause you can get caught in that trap. You either think you're going better than you are or you feel like you're not going anywhere near as good as all those people that are doing amazing things. Instead, it's like just compare yourself to where you were before. Mm. Unfollow and, people on social media. <laughs> that's another good one too. Uh, people saying to me, oh, you know, if I'm helping them with their with their business and getting things off, they're like, what if someone reacts like this and this and this? I'm like, unfriend and block. Really simple. Because you wouldn't tolerate it in real life. So why would you tolerate it online? Yeah. So tell me in, in terms of when you've got that loss of relationship, right, and comes with that, that fear of losing control, how do you, I suppose, grip at something to just feel like you, you've got a little bit control of, a little bit of control over your relationship or your life to be able to go through that process to move forward? I love this question because for me, control has been so hardwired in my ancestral history and uh, I've had these conversations with my siblings. I'm one of five. And letting go, just ask my wife for up, like about control. And she'll say the same sort of thing that it's played out. And for both of us, right? It's, it's, it's pretty common for people of, you know, anywhere from say 30 plus generation that that's, that's come through the line. And uh, actually, it's probably true for most people. And it really is turning back and instead of, trying to control the external, which you can't truly control anyway. You can never control. You may feel like you've got control, but the only thing you can really control is your self-control. And the interesting thing is when we go focus on self-control, we get back our power because the powerlessness in a relationship or a breakup or afterwards comes from this feeling of exactly what you said. I can't control this. The thing that I, very thing I used to hold on to that gave me some sort of security and some sort of peace is no longer there. Now what? And that's where we come back to, well, what can I control? 
and similar exercise before around creating that direction, what is the certainty of what I can control? And it could be from the basic, do you have a daily routine or rhythm to your life? For, some, for me, that was something that it really slowed me down, having no structure. I really depended on structure. And I just didn't have any. I had numbers of managers when I was in corporate who didn't provide any either and ended up just having to, to learn a way to do it myself. So having some sort of structure, some sort of routine, humans thrive in that space. So that's a self-control activity you can do to exercise, to look after your well-being, not just physical, but, but mental, having someone to talk to, emotional, allowing yourself to feel like that process that I took you through before, and spiritual. And spiritual doesn't have to be any more depth than your connection with yourself and your connection with your community. And if you look through that lens, there's easy ways to be able to take self-control for all of those things because you can't do so much of these things on your own. You can, but it usually results in more tougher times or really, really slow growth. And having someone to talk to just accelerates everything and, and the peace that it gives you. Like I said, it's why I have people in my network who I can reach out to. I have a coach. I have other people that I talk to. And I just I can't see it when I'm what's – the, what's the quote? You can't see the picture when you're in the frame. Yep. And having those external eyes that, are, that aren't emotionally connected to you much like the work you do, right? Someone who can just see it from a calm place, a logical place. Oh, that was a confirmation of thunder. I don't know if you heard that over the mic. No. <laughs> God's just agreeing. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, from that that space of just having someone to just calmly guide you through it when, when you're having an emotional reaction and you're trying to sort something out with someone else who's having an emotional reaction, that's just too hard. Very so, much so. Yeah. But I think it also, um, like when you're both in that emotional state, trying to come together to resolve a problem, whatever that problem may be, is going to do nothing except buttheads. Because when you've got such emotional energy and you've, you're, you've positioned yourself in such a way, you, you're not open to hearing what other people are saying necessarily. Yeah, not, not at the depth you need to to be able to reconcile whatever that is, whatever direction the relationship goes. So I love that, that graphic that you showed there. And um, for those who are only listening and aren't watching, like the, the two fists coming together, mm-hmm. one of the things we can do, again, is that self-control is if we remove ourselves as that thing to butt up against, then a lot of the power gets taken out of, right? Because, of the, again, coming back to resistance. Or if you look at it as two flames coming together, bringing two flames together just creates a bigger flame. If you remove the oxygen from that situation, then the other one has nothing to burn. Yep. So if you look at that through the lens of a relationship, every time, every time you are faced with something that involves someone else and you have that ability to say, okay, I, I know that there's something here that I need to do within me that needs addressing. And I'll, I'll, let me get back to you on that. And people think, oh, that's that's giving away up the power, giving away your power. No, it's actually the opposite. You are taking back your power, and they can think whatever they want. They can react any way they want. But when you react like that, and you just say, oh, I'm going to take responsibility for this, they may come at you harder to try and get a better reaction. And if you be able to stay steadfast in that and and stay, okay, no, okay, 
Yeah. So this doesn't mean that we don't then have conversations at another time where you say, look, you know, this is not okay and having boundaries. Yep. It's not, it's not taking away those boundaries, but in terms of that, that moment when the, when the emotion and the tension is running high in that moment to be able to do it. And when everything's settled down, then to be able to have that conversation again in a much more calmer place with perhaps with a mediator, um, then that's going to change everything. So much. So true. I really like the um, information you said before in terms of when you are so caught up in whatever it is that you're all the emotion that you're feeling at the time that you actually can't see the bigger picture. Yeah. And being able to stop and have someone there who can give you some guidance on what that actually looks like allows you to actually make better decisions moving forward. hundred percent. So when I lost my dad, so I knew like sitting at his funeral, like just listening to all the amazing things that he'd done and just thinking, what, what have I done with my life? I knew I wanted to change, but it took me six long years before I was able to do anything. And that's because I had no direction. And that's one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about helping other people with it. You sort of know how long life can drift on without it. And even, even the years leading up to that. So as you leave school, leave uni, and then you kind of go on a job and there's some st- structure but there's no real direction you kind of just well this was me anyway just drifting for so many years and then through the grief realizing what changed but not knowing how until i finally got to that point of asking better questions and i got i asked a question that got me an answer which which provided me with my first proper coach and one of the first things he taught me how to create direction and it changed my life i'd never had goals i'd never well i'd always been a very much a we'll work out for it it'll work out which is a good way to be, but without working out towards something, then you just drift around at the um, at the whim of other people's ideas of what's best for you instead of uh, having any idea of what you might actually like in your life. I love it. So many people live by that um, saying, don't they, what will be will be, but without knowing where they're going themselves. Yeah, which is fine if that's how you want to be. Well, to me, I personally, I'd like to have some control over that, some self-control. <laughs> Awesome. Um, Ian, I know that you have um, offered for anyone listening to this to come and jump onto your Facebook group. Yeah. Grief Co community, it is, I believe. Yeah. And what I didn't say to you, and, and you can share that group. So we get together for anyone who comes into that community, we get together once a week for a, for a chat where we come together and just share, right? So it's free. It's it's no cost to entry. Um but if anyone is, is at that point and they're like, well, I know that I've got more than that, then if you've taken the time to listen to this and, and you're intrigued, well, then reach out to me and, and have an email conversation with me and, and find out. And, and I'm sure Laurie will leave those details as well. Yeah. But, yeah, if you're just curious and, you, and you're wanting to find out more, come and join the Grief Code group. Find out more about the impact of grief, not just from what you've been through with the, with the breakdown of whatever you're going through, but actually how that triggers a whole lot of other things in your life that perhaps you didn't even realize was a problem. Um, And yeah, would love to have you in there. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me today, Ian. It's been lovely chatting. You're welcome. Thank you, Laurie. And to everyone else, I will catch you next time. Bye for now. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Grief Code podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Please share it with a friend or family member that you know would benefit from hearing it too. If you are truly ready to heal your unresolved or unknown grief, let's chat. Email me at info at ianhawkinscoaching.com. 
You can also stay connected with me by joining the Grief Code community at ianhawkinscoaching.com forward slash the grief code. And remember, so that I can help even more people to heal, please subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform.